Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. This is an opportunity I get to brag on my pastor. And um, you know, the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And um, it's, it's been very challenging for me in, in years gone by uh, because I would just start breaking down and crying. And um, you say, well, is that because you cry easy? Probably I do, yes. But, but also, it, it, it's very evident and clear uh, to me, to my mother, who's on the front row. Congratulations. My mom just got married here just a little bit ago. Patrick, congratulations. And certainly to my beautiful wife, Pastor Karen. We came into this church in our, our mid to late 20s. And uh, that's a little while ago because I'm 53 now. I know you thought I was 35, but I'm not. I'm 53. And we were, we were broken people. And when I say broken, I mean really, really broken. Not functioning well at all. Didn't know how to handle our finances. Certainly didn't know how to handle our emotions. Going from pillar to post. Broken, shattered lives that were, we had to, wreaked havoc because of demonic power and you know it's a long time ago so don't get nervous <laughs> if it wasn't for for you doctor I wouldn't be I, I, I wouldn't even only be pastoring I, I I'm I'm pretty confident I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be alive I'm pretty confident I wouldn't be married I'd, my life would be very 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 different but in the wisdom of God and your great, great faith, you, you took a chance on someone like me and Pastor Karen. And um, I know most of you don't really understand that. Been here 13 years with our hair on fire, preaching, praying, and prophesying, but we didn't start out that way. We were, we were broken. Is there anybody else here that's very grateful that you were, you were broken? And so, you know, in your family, I mean, in my life, I owe everything to the Lord. Then, of course, there's, there's nothing like my, my parents, my mother and my father, who I honor tonight. And, of course, my wife. After that, it's you, Dr. Mark. And right over they're all really close right there. My spiritual father, the apostolic global leader of King's Cathedral and Chapels, please put your best. Now you can stand up. Come on. Well, come on, let's praise Jesus. Give him a hand. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, listen, I am extremely proud of your pastor and your pastors and your ministers and, of course, this great church. Who could have dreamed it but God? And I'll tell you what, Pastor Daniel... Pastor Daniel, I'll tell you what, God is doing great things through you and Pastor Karen and the whole team. How wonderful. How wonderful God is. Well, listen, are you ready for the word tonight? I'm going to ask you 
an interesting question because it's Christmas time. And when you think of Christmas, I don't know about you, but I think of the story found in Luke chapter 1. When the angel appears to Mary and gives her the announcement she's going to bear forth a son. And she's a virgin and she says, how's this going to be? And he explains how the Holy Spirit would come on her. But he concludes that statement with these words, nothing is impossible with Everybody say it with me. Nothing is impossible with God. That begins the Christmas story. You know. But it's at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry that they're, they're gathered together and he is going to ascend. And you read about it in Matthew 28. And he says these words to those who were there. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Powerful words. I want to preach on the subject of those two passages tonight. And I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer and believe that God will not only speak to all of us, but will cause something to happen in your spirit that will change everything. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Lift your voice, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of the living God, I'm asking you tonight. I'm asking you tonight to do a great work here in Wasilla. I am mindful that you are the God who speaks. So I'm asking you to speak through me to your people. I'm asking that you give us ears to hear and a heart to respond and eyes to see. I declare tonight that you're going to move us forward into your plan and vision for this house. And so, Lord, I'm asking for an anointing to come in great measure not only on me, but on everyone under the sound of my voice. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Gave you some notes that may help you so you can preach this message to someone else. When Jesus said those words, go and make disciples of all nations, We know that statement to be the Great Commission. It's the final words of Jesus to the disciples as recorded by Matthew. But I want you to consider something in light of being a disciple in Palestine at that time. Think about it for a moment. Let's suppose you were there. Jesus is just about ready to ascend. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I want you to begin to think like a Palestinian disciple of Jesus. Now, think about this for a moment. How are you going to accomplish that? Think about it. There are no cars, no airplanes. You you, you walked everywhere. You barely, you think about it, they barely, they, they, they barely were able to to go outside of their town. 
And to go to Jerusalem, I mean, that's going to the other part of the world for them. And here Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. In their minds, I'm sure they're thinking, that's impossible. Keep in mind, at this point in their ministry, they hadn't been very successful. I mean, think about this for a moment. Jesus administered to thousands, but Paul records in 1 Corinthians that the largest group they had that saw Jesus after his resurrection was only 500, and he couldn't even get all 500 there in the upper room. There were only 120. Go and make disciples of all nations. Give me a break. He said, what's going on here? I want to share something that's a truth about God. God is in the business of encouraging his children to go beyond what they think they can do. Turn to your neighbor and say, go beyond. Turn to your other neighbor and say, go beyond. That's the way God works. Think about it in Scripture. Calls a man by the name of Noah and says, build an ark. He says, well, why do I got to build an ark? Because it's going to rain. Well, what's rain? Never seen that before. And, 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 and why an ark? Well, because you're gonna, your family's going to be preserved when it rains and the floods come. Floods, we've never had that before. And you're going to you're going to you're going to save all the air breathing animals on the planet. That's impossible. You think about Moses. God appears to Moses at a burning bush, commissions him to go to Egypt, the most powerful nation on the planet and delivered two million slaves from the stronghold of Pharaoh. With what? With a stick. That's He tells the Israelites, you're going to invade Canaan's land. You're going to take it. They got fortified cities. They've got giants. One whole generation said to themselves, that's impossible. And they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years. Take Gideon. Gideon. God says to Gideon, take 300 men. And you're going to attack them, the Midianites. And you're going to attack the Amalekites and the Eastern peoples, we forget how many people that was. It tells us in the text by the number of people that were killed by Gideon's 300. You want to know how many? 135,000 soldiers. 300 against 135,000. That's Think about it. 
over and over and over and over again. God pushes his people to go beyond. You take, you take the story of David. Oh, my. Samuel is commissioned by God to anoint a new king, so God sends him to Jesse's house. Everybody's supposed to be there. All the sons of Jesse are supposed to be there, and so they all parade before Samuel. They're all incredible models of manhood, and he's impressed. Oh, surely this is the anointed one here. But he goes on down the line, and not one of them was chosen. Finally, Samuel says, is that it? You have any more sons? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we got one more. He's, he's out with the sheep. He was so insignificant to Jesse, Jesse didn't even invite him to the meal. And Samuel says, we ain't eating until he comes. And when he comes, God says, that's the man. He's a teenager. A teenager. It seemed impossible. Why would God choose a teenager who was even rejected by his own father and family? God works the best <laughs> in the realm of the impossible. That young man killed the greatest warrior the Philistines had, Goliath. He became a great warrior himself and finally became king. And he extended the boundaries of Israel to its largest size. I can go on and on and on and on. God loves to challenge his people to go beyond, to go beyond. Wow. So how in the world would a small group of people watching Jesus ascend fulfill something impossible? The same way all of us are going to fulfill what's impossible. And here's the first thing. It's Found in Acts chapter 1 8. We've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He made it very clear. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Friend, listen to me. The Holy Ghost is not just the theology of the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Ghost is a dynamo, if you will, inside of us to move us into the realms of the impossible. I am so thankful you have a pastor here that believes in the power of the Holy Ghost and is not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I get so tired of people making excuses. Oh, well, we're not normally this wild. No, we really are. We really are. Something's happened to us. The power of God has invaded a fallen human being, changing, transforming us, making us brand new. Power of the Holy Ghost. It's when we forget that we desperately need Him, that we go back to traditions, 
We go through motions. And I'm sure he just stands there grieving. I'm here to flow through you in power. But all you want is your comfort zone. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about what happened when that took place in the upper room. Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost. Now remember something. Peter, just 40 days before, 50 days before, really, had denied Christ three times right in the very town that he gets up and he preaches that Jesus is alive in walking distance to the tomb. What changed a man from somebody who was afraid and denies his Lord to somebody who now stands in the very city where he was crucified, walking distance of the tomb and saying something absolutely incredible. He's alive. What happened to him? He not only saw the Lord, he was filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And on that day, 3,000 came to know the Lord. All of a sudden, you see the church growing from 120 to 3,000 one day. And then we don't know how long it was, probably a few weeks. Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They meet a lame man who was lame from birth, begging at the gate beautiful. And he says those words, silver and gold, have I none, and such as I have, give I thee in the name, in the name, in the name. There's only one name, the name of Jesus. Rise and walk, he grabs him. And a miracle happens. And the result of that miracle, it says 5,000 men were in the church. You think 5,000 men, 5,000 women at least, and probably children. You're talking the church was now 20,000, like that. And then you begin to have these people being persecuted, and then they're spreading the gospel to other places. And God calls a guy by the name of Philip to go to Samaria. And then, and then Peter is, goes to Cornelius' house, and not only are Samaritans saved, but then Gentiles are saved. And then God has a real sense of humor. He takes the number one persecutor of Christians who had nothing to do with Gentiles because they were dogs. One of the chief rabbis of the time studying under the feet of Gamaliel, the greatest, the greatest rabbi of that day, on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians, Jesus appears to him, radically saves him. His name was Saul. And God gives him a commission at the very beginning when he saves him and says, you're going to, you're going to reach Gentiles. Do you have any idea how impossible that was to him? He changes his name from Saul, which is his Hebrew name, to Paul, his Greek name. And we know him as the Apostle Paul. And he literally launched church after church throughout the Roman world. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Wow. And now all of a sudden, you begin to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something's happening. The power of the Holy Ghost is now working through so many in fact, 
Church tradition tells us that the apostles all went to distant places. A number of years ago, I was in South India with Dr. Cho doing a major crusade. Are you aware that St. Thomas, Thomas, the one who, who, who said, if I don't, if I don't uh, see him and put my hands in his, in, in, in his nail prints and his side, I won't believe? That Thomas went all the way to India, established the church. Are you aware that church is still there today? It's called the Bar Thomas Church. And in South India, a friend of mine pastors one of the largest churches in India, 40,000, 40 to 50,000 in Madras. And just a few months ago, I was in Korea for the church growth conference, and a young man I'd never heard of was there sharing and he has now a church of over 200,000 in a Hindu land in India. Somebody say hallelujah. They literally believed because of the power of the Holy Ghost that they could fulfill the commission God gave them. I had a fascinating experience in my own life. I've shared it many times, but it rocked my world. I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was a senior in high school, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. I was very thankful for the privilege of being used by the Holy Ghost. God sent me to Maui. Church grew dramatically from 100 people to 1,000 in a year and a half. We'd taken over the largest facility on the island, the skating rink. I mean, everything. I mean, God was doing just powerful things. And then when we moved into the cathedral in 1994, I happened to have a guest speaker come in 95. His name was Rodney Howard Brown. And Rodney at that time had come from South Africa with a mission from God to bring revival to America. What people don't know is that every revival in the U.S. stemmed from his ministry, whether it was Toronto or whether it was Pensacola, all stemmed from his ministry. Well, he came to Maui. It was in January of 95, and it was an incredible week. And, uh, you know, Rodney would line everybody up. Places packed. Rodney would line them up. And, you know, we had a line in the front, line in the middle, line in the back. Hundreds, hundreds of people. He'd lay hands on them. They'd fall out under the power. And people would try to get up and testify, and they couldn't talk. They'd fall out. And my wife, my wife, I'd never seen my wife like this. She was drunk for an entire week. I'd be sitting there in the front row like a normal pastor does, and she's sitting next to me, and all of a sudden she starts crying, and she, she falls like a heap on the floor. Overwhelmed by the power of God. I'd never seen her like that. Never in all my life. And I didn't feel a single thing. I didn't feel a single thing. I thought, well, this is cool. People are getting blessed. But I didn't feel nothing. And I remember that night. I've shared it so many times because it's such a vital part of my life. It was a Friday night. We were going every night. And the Friday night was the last night before Sunday, the final Sunday. That Friday night... Rodney, just before we came out to start the service, he turned to me and said, you know, I'm going to have you pray for people tonight. Now, what I thought he meant was I, he would pray for people. I'd be a sidekick, and I would look good, see, because I'm, I'm there with him. But I wasn't prepared for what he was about to say. I was sitting in the front, and all of a sudden he says, he lined everybody up already, hundreds and hundreds of people. 
And then he announces to the whole congregation. He says, I'm not going to pray for anybody tonight. Pastor Morocco is going to pray for everybody. And I thought, this is the end of my ministry. <laughs> it really is. Because I'm going to get up there and I'm going to lay hands on people. Nothing happens. They go, is that it? I go, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I mean, you want to be freaked out. That'll freak you out. <laughs> We have a high stage, if you know, at the cathedral, and walked up on the stage. I didn't know whether to hit Rodney or what. I mean, it was, you can't imagine how horrible it was. My world was about ready to crash. I slowly walked down the stair, and I remember they were lined up, hundreds here, hundreds in the middle, hundreds in the back, and I walked down. And I took the final step. It was like this. There was a lady standing here, and I went like this. And I never touched her. I never touched her. She flew. <laughs> I'm going, whoa! I mean, she literally flew. And at that moment, the, the power of God came on me in such a way I, it's hard for me to talk about it. My, my, my knees buckled. My heart started to palpitate. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. You know, the word glory in Hebrew means weight. It was like a weight. And, and uh, I didn't know what to do. You know, people say, oh, I want to feel your glory. No, you don't. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. So I, I didn't know what to do, so I just started running. I ran, and as I ran, people fell over like dominoes. All I remember is Rodney saying, ushers, because they were all falling, and there was no ushers to catch them. Well, at the end of the row, I got up. I, I stopped. I went back on the stage, and I... I was so overwhelmed, I could hardly talk or walk. Put my head on Rodney's shoulder, and I said, I quit. <laughs> Listen, I literally thought I was going to die. My wife said, honey, I've never seen you like that. I said, I've never been like that. <laughs> I, I am telling you what. Now, Rodney, he's from South Africa, so he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know any better. He just said, you ain't quitting, and he got two pastors to grab one arm and the other arm and take me to the rest of the crowd. Well, I quit twice during the whole thing. <laughs> he wouldn't let me quit. The story is an incredible story, and I won't tell it all, but I'll tell you what happened to me at the end of that service. I knew what Peter said. I knew what he meant when he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Such as I have, give I thee. Listen, friend. Everyone in this house should be seeking to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. It's more than just speaking in tongues. It is the power that will allow you to fulfill the call of God on your life to go beyond. Don't ever forget it. You contend for it. You contend for it. 
Everybody say, go beyond. But the second thing you'll notice is that God calls us to go beyond and he's given us his spirit so we can. But the second thing you'll notice is that he gives us a strategy. Everybody say a strategy. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Now think about that for a moment because... You know, I've had people say to me, oh, pastor, send me over here to this far distant land. I'm going to be a good missionary. And I look at their life and I say, wait a minute. Oh, I, have you reached your family? Have you reached your friends? Have you, are, are you touching your Jerusalem? How, how am I going to entrust to you a nation when you can't even touch your own neighborhood? Give me a break. God has a strategy. Your family, your friends, the people you work with, you, you intercede, you believe for them to get saved. And then God begins to move you forward in greater ministry. You see, God has a plan. It's always been the same. Him who has, more will be given. Him who has not, what he has will be taken away. If you're not using the gifts that God's given you, you ain't going to have them long. Listen to me, please hear me. Every one of my pastors knows clearly the job they have to do. You know what it is? I'm sure your pastor has mentioned it many times. Our job is to make you look good on Judgment Day. Are you hearing me? Why do you think he pushes you to pray and give and serve and love and live holy? Because you're going to stand before God and every word you've ever said, every deed you'll ever done, God's going to review it before you and say, why'd you do that? I, I tell my people on Maui, I say, look, if you don't look good on Judgment Day, don't tell them you went to KC. Listen to me, please hear me, hear me. God's strategy is for you to be used by him. And because, write it down, God's strategy is always progressive. It's always progressive. If he can trust you with the little, he'll make you ruler over much. Everybody says, oh, I want a big ministry. You'll never have a big ministry if you can't be trusted with a little one. Your pastor has a great ministry today, but I tested him. I tested the boy. How do you do in a life group? How's he doing with the young adults? I gave him a small extension to start with. And then I really got him. I sent him to Molokai. I figured if he survives Molokai, he's the man. And at every juncture, he proved himself faithful. Then I sent him to Kauai. Then God spoke to me, send him to Alaska. Listen to me. God's strategy is not only progressive. God's strategy is that he uses people. 
people like you. Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen shared their story. It's the same with Pastor Vince and all the others on my staff. They're all broken. All came to God the same way through the shed blood of Jesus, got filled with the Holy Ghost. If God remembers their past no more, why are we trying to dig it up? Are you hearing me? I can tell you story after story after story. All of my team came the same way. All weird people. Broken people. That God got a hold. There's hope for all of us. Come on, somebody. Can you imagine what God could do through you? Come on, somebody say it, go beyond. It's always been God uses people. Friend of mine, Colton Wickham-Arotney, wrote a book, but it's more than just a book. It's his life. God's strategy is a man. Or a woman. In 1976, I moved to Honolulu. I was past, I was working with a man by the name of Pastor Roy Sapp, and we worked on, went to Honolulu together. Roy Sapp was a good friend of Colton McMurrotney. And Colton, it was a Monday night service. He, Pastor Sapp had invited him to come for that Monday night, because it was what was called, a, it was at the height of the charismatic movement. It was a charismatic service, and we're brand new pastors there. And so he knew Colton was in the United States. Colton's originally from Sri Lanka. And he, and Colton was in L.A., and Colton said, I really don't want to come, but because you asked, I'll come. So he came, and he gets up. This is Monday night now. And he gets up, and he says these words. He says, now... Uh, is there anyone here by the name of Sally Savior? I'm sitting next to Sister Sepp. I said, that's weird. He said, God spoke to me before I left that you have a message from God for me. So if you're here, please see me. I thought, well, all right. Next morning, full gospel businessman's breakfast. He, full gospel businessman. Business men. He gets up and says the same thing. Is there anyone here by the name of Sally Savior? I said, full gospel business men. He gets on a plane that night to fly back to L.A. About three days later, Pastor Sapp walks into my office with a letter Pastor Colton had sent him. Here's what the letter said. He said, you'll never know how important your invitation to me was. And then he described the story. He got on the plane there in Honolulu. And of course, it's an all-night flight. So he was sitting, you know, they, yeah, they had three seats. He was sitting in the one seat. And there was a person who was acting very strange sitting next to the window. 
And the stewardess came by and tried to address the fellow, but the fellow had mental problems or something, so they took him off the plane. And Colton was so excited. He was going to get to lay down in those three seats all the way to L.A. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh. The plane takes off. No sooner has it taken off when, when a lady is standing in the aisle and taps him on the shoulder and says, do you mind if I sit here? Now, he didn't want anybody sitting there. So he said, where are you sitting? And she said, she laughed, and she said, I'm Sally Savior, and I have a word from God for you. Now, this is in the letter. I'm listening to this, and I go, oh, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus, forgive me. (laughs) For the next five hours as they flew from Honolulu to L.A., Everybody around them slept, and she gave him God's plan for all of Southeast Asia and what he was to do. And he said, she said, God's plan is a man or a woman. In fact, it was, she began to unfold everything that happened in his life that nobody knew but God and why it happened. He was so blown away, he thought in his mind. He just thought it. He didn't say it. He said, I wonder if she chews gum. Why he said that, who knows? And she stops and says, of course I chew gum. (laughs) Twilight Zone. (laughs) They land in L.A. and she said, now, I have one request from you. You'll be the, you'll be, you let everybody off, go off first. And all I ask is that you don't turn around when you get off the plane. He said, will I ever see you again? She said, if God wills. He was the last person off that plane. Listen to me. God's plan is you. There is no other plan. If you blow it, you blow it. God will raise somebody else. God's plan for this church is to reach all of Alaska. God's plan for this church is to, is to see an explosion of extensions all over the world. Don't say, well, Pastor Morocco, that's your job. Aren't you doing that? We all have a job. It's the same one. Go and make disciples of all nations. Somebody say it with me. Go beyond. Oh, that brings me then to the third thing, and then I've got to bring this to a close. Jesus gave them a vision bigger than themselves. Listen to me. When you come into this house, We are different. I know that. I know that. You're a part of a vision bigger than yourself. At the beginning of the year, God gave me a prophetic word for our whole church. You quoted it just a few moments ago. 
I'm blessed and I will multiply. Or I, I am multiplying. Did you know that this year, the very vision God has given us of the one, two, three, 100 extensions in the U.S., 200 overseas, 30,000 people in our life groups and ministries seemed impossible five years ago when he gave it. But I'm here to tell you, we've, in this year alone, we've already gone over the 200 mark internationally. Churches are erupting everywhere. We're at about 78 right now in the U.S., so I'm believing for the next 22 in this next six months. I'm doing everything I can. You need to do everything you can. We're all in this together. We're starting life groups. Many of you are called to be life group leaders, and you're sitting on your hind end not doing a thing. Because I don't want to be bothered. What's wrong with you? I said that he wouldn't be saved today. And you, many of you wouldn't be saved today. I get a little passionate at times. It's my Italian coming out of me. Think about it for a moment. God wants to give you a vision. You're in business. He wants to give you a vision greater than you know. He gave me a vision greater than I knew back in 1996. He said, I want you to give a 1000 a week. I've told the story many times. It shocked me. I had no way of doing that. I'm a pastor. I'm not a businessman. I'm a pastor. I have a fixed salary. That was like beyond. Go beyond. I said, oh. I said God, I'll try. He gave me one idea in the option market. The 23 successive trades without a failure. That's 100%. Did you know the best option market traders only do 60%? 100%. God got all his money. It was amazing. We had a deal. We had a deal. Here's the deal. He gets 50% of the profit. 40% of the profit goes back into investment. And I get 10%. It's a reverse tithe. And boy, God was doing great. And God, oh, I'm embarrassed to tell you. I won't tell you. I was doing so good. And then he said to me, get out of the market right now. No way, Jose. Man, I've got this wired. I am brilliant. Oh, I wish I'd listened to him. Because I lost my shirt on one last trade. God got all his money. I lost all mine. And if I had obeyed him, I would have had some money. Somebody say hallelujah. I learned a good lesson. You still with me here? And that vision grew. Within four years, he said, now double it. Give over 100,000 a year. And we've been doing that ever since 2002. We give about 135000 a year. That may not be a lot of money to you. It's a lot of money to me because I don't have it. I have to believe for it. You see, God said, go beyond. Some of you 
tip God. That's all you do is you tip him. You give the waitress more than you give God. Smile at me. I'm preaching good. Look, I get on a plane tomorrow. You won't see me for another year. Hallelujah. But I'm here. I'm going to slap it upside the head right now. You're trying to build a multi-million dollar building. It ain't going to happen with tips. Somebody's got to go beyond. Trust God. I'm a pastor. My wife and I have given almost $3 million into this house. I'm a pastor. Set salary. You say, how'd you do it? I have no idea. Other than I went beyond. God gave me a vision. And he's provided it. Supernaturally. That's why I never have a problem getting in your face and saying, give. What's wrong with you? You don't think the God who made heaven and earth can provide for you? What's wrong with you? Smile at me. Come on, some of you are frowning right now. I touched on an idol. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. But I'm trying to get you to go beyond. Have a vision greater than yourself, please. When you come into this house, whether you like it or not, you're, you're in a vision bigger than yourself. I think of Gil and Rosie here, you know, out from Brazil. Little did they know we'd have churches in Brazil. I met with Stephen just the other day when I was in Branson. We're going to build more churches in Brazil. And Rosie was brave. She went to Mozambique. And with Pastor Janelle, and I'm just thankful they didn't get killed. I prayed. I said, oh, God, because where they were going, they'd already killed people. And so I prayed God intervened. And you know what God did? He intervened. Car wouldn't start. They got the car started. Then the, the flat tire. And then they had a spare, but the spare was flat. Pretty soon they got the message. I don't think God wants us to go. That was answered to your prayers and mine. You all prayed too. Vision bigger than yourself. Are you aware of the fact when you entered this church, the only thing that limits the vision is your brain? You could do almost anything for God. In this house. And here's what's more amazing. You have pastors that want you to. Do you, do you know how incredible that is? A lot of pastors are freaked out if you do anything. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Not here. We're saying, how come you aren't going beyond? Go beyond. Go beyond. Go beyond. Pastor, I can't go anymore. Go beyond. You're in the right house. And one day when there were thousands and thousands of people being impacted in this state, You'll look back on your life and say, oh, wow, wow, wow. 
you let me go beyond the limitation of my mind and my thinking. Stand to your feet. Lift both hands in the air. Let's praise him. Lord, I praise you. And I thank you. And I give you glory and honor and praise. I want you out loud to begin to thank the Lord that he entrusts you with the, with the impossible. He entrusts you with the impossible. He entrusts you with the impossible. Come on, people. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Lord. Put a, put a hunger in the hearts of your people tonight to go beyond. To do more for you than they've ever done in their lifetime. To rejoice in the privilege of being in a house that stretches them. Oh God, you always move us to the impossibilities. So you can be seen for who you are. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.